Rachel Barenbaum, author of A Bend in the Stars, and today my special guest is Michelle Bowdler, whose book was chilling, stunning, it just left me reeling. It's called Is Rape a Crime? And she's here today to talk about this incredible memoir. Michelle, tell us, what is your book about? Well, thank you, Rachel, for this opportunity. I'm so happy to be here. And my book Is Rape a Crime, a Memoir, an Investigation, and a Manifesto really is all three. My book is an indictment of the criminal justice system and the way they respond to sexual assault and have responded to it over decades. And it's told through a personal story about my own assault in you know, 35 years ago and takes us through uh, the present day where things have not only not gotten better, but in many ways they've gotten worse and really talks about how to make change. So I want to start where you start by addressing the title itself. The question is rape a crime. And you even say it's a startling question and almost everybody will reply and say yes. So why start with this question? Why ask this question? Yeah. So it, this has been a really interesting um, question that people wonder how I can dare ask that question. And what I, what I say is that, in fact, after you read the book, it makes a lot of sense. It was actually a question that a survivor asked me at um, an event that we were doing, trying to help the criminal justice system uh, figure out what to do about untested rape kits uh, around the country in the hundreds of thousands of range going back decades. And this woman looked at me and said, you know, it's actually hard to uh, know whether we can even consider rape a crime given the way that it just is uninvestigated wholesale. And, and she meant it. And that question really took my breath away. And, I, and I've used that question to inform my thinking. And it's actually a legitimate question when, you know, five out of a thousand uh, rape, rapes ever even wind up with somebody spending even a day in, in jail. And yet it's a major felony. And it's one of the only major felonies that has a wholesale disregard for investigation. And it's, it's a pretty stunning uh, state of affairs that we have to really look at as a society. So your description of your own assault and the break-in and, you know, the aftermath just left me absolutely in tears. Even thinking about it now, I'm feeling very emotional and trying to hold on. Thank you for opening up like that. How did you do that? How were you able to put that on the page? Um, I, it, was, it was very, it was a hard decision, but it was very intentional. And I think that I realized that I couldn't leave out, I couldn't gloss over uh, this thing is really horrible. It really leaves people reeling. The trauma lasts for years. If, and, and then have people understand what the neglect means if I, if I couldn't do it and talk about it for myself um, on the page. And by the time I did it, I was ready to do it. And it felt like it was in the service of some really important uh, a narrative that I really felt needed to be told. So I took my time and I actually felt like I did it when, when I could do it. And 
And I have to say that in the end of the book, when I actually described the assault, um, it's my, my wife uh, or the person who became my wife is actually asking me what happened and I had not been able to tell her. And that was actually an intentional uh, piece of the book as well, because I felt like the reader might feel more held knowing that I was telling it to somebody in the book in that moment, somebody who loved me and who I felt safe with. And so I was hoping that that convention would, even though it was accurate, would, would help the reader a bit. You were clearly uh, trying to reach the reader. And um, one of the sentences actually that shook me the most uh, came at the end where you wrote, my case was never investigated and never solved. I'm like so many of you, what happened to me is not extraordinary. In fact, it's unbearably common. That was heartbreaking. Can you talk about it? Yeah, that, that was one of the last paragraphs I wrote for the book. It wasn't in there initially. And I had a reader, a young reader, um, a, a good friend of my son's who I considered a feminist and really good on social issues. And she said to me, there's something missing from the ending. It's, it, there's something missing that I, I just, I'm looking for. Um, and I'm not really sure what it was. And I went back and I read it and I read it and I read it. And that paragraph, like I said, went in at the very last minute. And I think that, um, and it meant a lot to me because there was something missing. And what was important to me when I was finishing was to say, this is a story that happens to so many people. And people will say, rape is such a horrible thing and it's the worst thing that can happen. And yet there are so many people who've never told anybody who feel their own sense of shame, who don't feel like, like they feel like if they reveal it, they're gonna be thought differently of in a way that reflects on them and not on the crime. And I felt like I just needed to say, this is actually not an extraordinary story, which is why I think that it's getting the kind of response that it's getting because it's both rare to see a book that has this level of detail and yet it's actually describing a common experience, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately too, you bring in a lot of statistics and facts around rape investigations. And you even talked about um, this one headline, I guess that really got you started, where you talked about a Boston Globe headline that said, the crime lab neglected 16,000 cases. Evidence was never analyzed, probe finds. I mean, facts like that are just beyond chilling. Yeah. And that was what really started, that, that article was what started me on my journey to say, hmm, I wonder if that's why I never heard anything from the police. And I also started looking up untested rape cases and it was shocking, shocking, that it was something understood to be commonly done and yet unknown by the vast majority of people. And um, even when that article came out, there was no outrage. There was no, you know, bunches of letters to the editors. There was no protest to the state house. It just was in the paper and then the next day it was gone. And if anything, the people who read the article who were part of the state crime lab and part of the um, leadership and government were like, 
oh, no, 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 it's not 16,000. It's really more like, oh, I don't know, a few thousand, as if that would have been okay. It's funny you say that, it, you know, it's in the news one day out the next. It feels, feels like that uh, Trump quote that you said really that spurred you to write this book, right, where him bragging about sexual assault and saying he could get away with it. Felt like that was in the news one day and out the next too. Yeah. And it, and it was, it was in the news and it was in the news in October of 2016. And we know what happened in November of 2016. It was not considered disqualifying. Yeah. Well, I'm thrilled to say that this book is getting all kinds of amazing attention. It's been nominated uh, for a National Book Award and all kinds of other awards. Uh, how do you feel about that? Tell me how that feels. It, it is stunning and unexpected and shocking. And I'm so honored and so amazed. And um, I don't even know what to even know what to say. Like I Part of it is, is that I wanted the book read and people will see the title and they'll think, is this a scary book? Is this an intimidating book when that's really not what it's meant to be at all? And it's, it's a piece of research and it's a memoir. And I think it's, I think it's very readable, but the, the attention is helping it, I think, be heard a, a little more broadly. So I, I really appreciate that. That's what I really want. Okay, we're gonna switch gears a little bit and I wanna ask you about the craft. Um, what was the hardest part of this memoir to write? Well, I wrote it over a number of years and, and, and as uh, I think you know, I was in the memoir incubator in, in, at Grub Street in Boston, a writing collective that you know well. And um, so in the beginning, I was learning a lot of craft lessons about um, you know, character narrator separation and, and, and that what's on the page is what you choose to be, what you choose on the page. You're not putting every single sentence of everything that's happened over 30 years or nobody would ever read it. And so I felt like I had a good draft when I graduated, but what the hardest part was figuring out the structure and then adding the research. The research was actually only added after the book sold. It was a memoir and it was a memoir about my interaction with the Boston police, but the research was added at the end. And it was pretty much like a full-time job over about six to eight month period. And I wanted to get it right. I wanted it to be interesting. I wanted it to be urgent and I didn't want it to disrupt the narrative. And so weaving it in was the, a, quite a challenge, but in the end, I was happy with the result. I mean, it is an astounding, amazing book. I mean, I'm speechless when I try to think how to describe this book. Thank so thank you for writing it. My last question for you, I ask every author is, uh, what advice do you have for new or aspiring writers? So I just did a little uh, video for the Boston Book Festival about being a debut writer. And the one thing, so there's two things. One is do not give up. The writing instructor that I had, uh, Alex Marzano-Lesnovich, said that the single biggest reason people don't get published is attrition, because they stop believing in themselves, they get frustrated by some no's, and they, and they stop. And the world needs, whoever's listening, the world needs your book, whoever you are. And also, I was in my 50s when this book got sold. And I had gone back to writing after many years, you'll see why in the book. Um, 
but I was just in a launch group with four other grub people who were launching and I was the youngest people in the group. They were all in their 60s and 70s and they have successful, fascinating, important books with important topics. And so don't be dissuaded by age, by, oh, I don't have an MFA. Nobody's going to want, that topic's been done. Don't believe any of it. And if people are telling you that, they're not the people you want to surround yourself with. I believe in you. And I know you do too, Rachel. <laughs> that is fantastic advice. I love it. Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for writing this tremendous, tremendous book. May you win many awards and may you sell many, many copies. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.